As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul when he was fresh out the hospital Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through So tell me why you mad even Your team gonna be sad leaving After matching up with Brad Stevens Each season, champion contenders We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba <laughs> Your team whack and your players whacker I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer Okay, we about chips here I'm talking about this year Band of 12 plus 6 here Aaron Neesman rookie, I'm saying it now we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? AJ, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything Else Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm not joined by the kid, the god, or the legend, Jay King, because he is too busy doing his job. But I am joined by another professional from the Athletic, a former producer of Anything is Potable, the host of the Glue Guys, the Nets podcast, a general producer for everything across the Athletic NBA Network, a Nets fan. Here to gloat after the Nets beat the Boston Celtics. What was the final score? 121-109. And Mike Smeltz, what was your reaction uh, to the game uh, between these two juggernauts? It seems, like, juggernaut. it seems like the Nets are better than the Celtics. I don't know how that happened. Uh, let, me, let me fill you in. Most people don't probably don't know. My medical history, I've been in a coma for like eight years. So like mi- the minute after... Uh, the Nets, the KG Paul Pierce trade fell apart. So what has happened in that time? How how did we arrive in this reality that the well, Nets are this dominant team with all this talent? I thought Kyrie Irving was on the Celtics. What happened? Yeah, it's that was the probably <laughs> the hardest part was just watching Kyrie be dominant. And yeah. like it's been a while since I've watched him night in and night out, but man, that guy can score the basketball pretty well. <laughs> Like he was just uh, insane, just classic Kyrie, insane shot making. Uh, his ability to get in the paint, I think, he's just ridiculous and kind of the kind of wizardry he can do there. But he had some back breaking threes there that really stopped the Celtics' momentum. He scored forty points. I actually thought the Celtics did a pretty good job defending James Harden tonight. Harden had, uh, I think, seven or eight turnovers. Yeah, seven. Uh, yeah. The Celtics did a good job, I think, of getting the ball out of his hand. But then Landry Shamit I know. goes six of nine from three. <laughs> Jeff Green's two of four from three. Tyler Johnson's two of three from three. It's just very hard to, to compete for the Celtics if you're going to get that much projection um, from the Nets bench from deep. Because I thought the Celtics did a decent job on the Stars. It's just, uh, I don't know, when this Nets shoot 45% from three, I don't know what the Celtics can do at this point. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's one possession. I mean, there's a couple of times this happened, but it was the third quarter. I think it was like six minutes left. Harden and Kyrie were on the floor together. Harden had the ball 
And he was driving, not aggressively, but he was kind of like getting closer and closer into the lane. Two guys collapse onto him, and Kyrie was wide open from for three. Harden hits him. Kyrie hits the shot. And it's like the thing about this Nets team is what's happening. And obviously Durant hasn't played for a month now. But like you're seeing things that like Kyrie very few times, even with LeBron, he was getting like these wide open, gorgeous looks. Harden has basically never shot an open three in his life until now being here in Brooklyn. Um, that's what makes this team tough is because those really good players are actually getting op- Joe Harris getting open shots. It's amazing. Um, uh, what 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 can we attribute though the Celtics lost to? Who do we blame, Jam? Whose fault is this? I'm I mean, not really. Jason I'm Tatum not really a fantastic. blame game kind of guy. I think if we're gonna have to focus <laughs> on one person, it's gonna be Jalen Brown. Brown. Was yeah. five of twenty three on the offensive end, three of twelve from deep. I really didn't think he had a great offensive night. Kemba Walker. Came out early, scored nine points in the first quarter and looked like to be in sort of a rhythm and then definitely faded. I only remember like three or four shots from him down the stretch. And that's the thing that's just troubling. And I don't know how the Celtics answer is. I don't know how they're ever going to score with the Nets. It just feels like they had some good stretches there. They were able to kind of get it, keep it close. Jason Tatum did Jason Tatum like things, but then it felt like anytime they got it within. I don't know, a couple points. There was it was a two-point game with about four minutes left. Then like one mistake or one Daniel Tyson missed three, and the Nets are just able to counter like that. And there's so many six-point swings in that game that were just ridiculous. And especially in a game where Jalen Brown's not shooting the ball well and Kemba Walker, like when those two guys combine for quick math here, 10 for 35 from the field. I just don't know how <laughs> just the math just doesn't add up to the Celtics favor. They're never going to be able to kind of keep scoring with the Nets. Well, yeah, and, and Kemba hit an early three, and I was like, and and I I was listening to the TNT broadcast, and Greg Anthony was saying, oh, when Kemba's, you know, when Kemba's like that, that's a good sign, obviously, for the Celtics. And I was fearful. I was terrified that we we're going to have a good Kemba. Let me ask you this. Obviously, there you, you mentioned him before, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart comes back, 21 minutes, 19 points. Um, how did you, I mean, pretty fantastic return but how did you feel about him I mean it's it's classic Marcus and it was he made the hustle plays he made the grifting plays just like flopping getting some fouls getting the foul call on Harden on the classic just like rip through which really was a bullshit call but that's what Marcus Smart does I thought it was just interesting to see how much he actually like controls the defense and how much he's the captain of the defense just you can see late him just pointing to where every single person should be and I thought he made a, a pretty big impact. Uh, and just what, like, I, if we're going to do ultimate green teamer, Celtics positivity, drinking the green Kool Aid, process over results, I thought it was like a, a, actually a pretty good game for the Celtics, considering Marcus Smart only played 20 minutes. Like, what the lineup when they had their, like, I guess the TNT dubbed them the core four and Tice out there, I thought they did pretty decent. They had, like, went on a nice run to start the game with that starting lineup went a nice run uh, at the start of the third quarter. I guess that was actually with the double bigs, but I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good performance from Marcus Smart. You got the de- uh, shooting from deep. He was the only really one who's drawing any free throws. I think they're going to clearly be better as he can play more minutes, and then we don't have to see 15 minutes of Jeff T. Yeah, and I think that was – so, you know, we're skewed by the way the game ended. The game was close all throughout, and then the Nets kind of took over at the final, you know, whatever, six-minute stretch or whatever it was. And – you know, if if Marcus Smart is able to play more than 21 minutes, if he's able to play a 35-minute game, you know, then he would be there, you know, throughout the more minutes, be more impactful. It Maybe slow been down Kyrie Irving a little bit. A little bit. I mean, that's that's it's just so hard because James Harden becomes such – no matter who else is on the floor, even when KD comes back, it's like so much focus is going to be built around Harden just because he's going to have the ball in his hands so much. It just makes it hard for the opposing defense because Kyrie Irving is going to be open for four or five shots a game that he never would be open for, you know, if he was playing for, I don't know, the Boston Celtics or something like that. But it's oh, it's a Nets awesome. world. It's okay. You know, the Nets, Blake Griffin was there observing. He'll, he'll eventually be playing basketball for this team. So was KD. KD was uh, reading the box score. He always, he, he's a big box score guy. He's reading the box some ridiculous scores pants. 
uh, the the fashion on the nets. I mean, I can't. I mean, look at me. I'm a schlub. Uh, but it's a, it's a different look. And I, I don't want to ruin our Blake Griffin discussion for later. So oh, we'll get to that in the world famous potable six pack. <laughs> I think the other issue for the Celtics is that there's just no consistent offense when they don't have kind of their main guys on the court. Their biggest nets runs, it felt to me when it was like, I think it's the start of the second quarter, start of the fourth quarter, when it was Jason Tatum and then four bench players or Jalen Brown and four bench players. I think Marcus Smart having more minutes will help that, and so you don't have to have multiple stretches, whereas both Teague and Peyton Pritchard on the court. But this has been a problem for the Celtics the entire year. It's a reason why you think they might need to make a trade just to kind of add to that wing depth. But their offense is just not great when they don't have kind of like their main guys on the court. And it's just the Nets with like – that's the the benefit the Nets have of just being able to stagger Kyrie and Harden. And we don't even talk about Kevin Durant, but like yeah. they have just a, a potent offense no like for 48 minutes and there's just no lulls. The Celtics pretty much have – it's just like they need to rely on Jason Tatum – uh, to carry that Jason Tatum seems he's capable of kind of carrying a bench lineup. Jalen Brown at this point in his development is just not, especially when he's shooting like this five of 23, you just can't rely on him for consistent offense. Uh, when, when he's surrounded by Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, and Jeff T which happened tonight. And then the Nets went on a 12, four run to start the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this a billion times, but I'm on your show. So I'm going to talk about it with you. Scalabrini has brought up Harrison Barnes. That's his favorite player in the NBA right now. I don't like Harrison Barnes. If you get him for free, great. I don't like him for your team because I don't know who you can find, but you guys need a ball mover. mover. You need someone who's going to get flow going. And I just see Barnes a little just like wingy, like exactly like Brown and Tatum. You know, like if they don't, they're not ball movers. They're the guys. I mean, they get decent assist numbers, but they're not. Again, they aren't point guards. Like what exactly what do you want? But what's your Harrison Barnes thoughts? I'm generally pro Harrison Barnes. I think they need someone on the wing who can shoot threes and can is uh, versatile defensively. I agree with you. He's not like the best playmaking type, uh, but I think he's okay. At this point, I just think they need someone who can hang out in the corner and make threes because although I think the double big lineup of Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice, I think it worked a little bit tonight, but I think that's really just net specific because they play so small that there is like some kind of weird matchups where uh, Thompson and Tice could have size things. Generally, that spacing just does not work. Really what they need is a guy like Gordon Hayward who can come in and kind of be (laughs) that secondary playmaking, uh, but they don't have that. I do think Marcus Smart's return, he's the best passer and best playmaker, I think, on the team in terms of just playing in the pick and roll. And so I think him playing more minutes will help that out. But I don't know who the other like trade target is, who is the guy that you're describing. It's uh, tough. Who is a wing, who's a solid playmaker, uh, who can also shoot and is, is like can guard multiple positions defensively. I'm just describing Gordon LeBron. Hayward. LeBron. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, who's the guy you can get? for a couple first round picks and and Romeo Langford. I just don't know who that person necessarily is at this point. I mean, I don't, yeah, I it it I talked about this with Andrew Schlecht on the Daily Ding. Um I was obviously Kyle Lowry is a guy who could maybe be going out there, but we're actually seeing reports from Toronto that he will not be made available that they're just going to let him finish out the season. Well, after um, you lose on a Tony Snell buzzer beater, I think <laughs> you have to reevaluate things as the Raptors did tonight. Cause I'm, last time I checked their box score, uh, they were up by like 12 in the fourth quarter. And now I see they lost 121 to 120 to Tony Snell. So yeah. maybe they have to reevaluate things. I would love Kyle Lowry. I hate Kyle Lowry uh, <laughs> because I have so much respect for Kyle Lowry. And so like, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but sure. I would love that. Well, and I just want to, because so the name he's always linked to is obviously the 76ers. He's from Philadelphia. It'd be a homecoming. Uh, the, the Sixers had wanted him in the past before Maury even got there. Daryl Maury has a relationship with Kyle Lowry because he's, Lowry came to Houston. It was really kind of like rehabbed his career in Houston with Maury at the head. But, you know, I think if like, if you're comparing a Celtics Sixers offer, the Celtics just have a lot more to offer. What I mean, basically, what the Sixers would give up is Danny Green and like Tyrese some, Maxey. Tyrese Maxey, who's it was good. He's better than any young Celtic. Like 
And I'm not Whoa, counting ho, Adam Steen. We haven't we haven't seen Romeo Langford play this year. <laughs> Where is say. he? What is he doing? Did he, oh, he, did he opt out his, COVID protocol? What, no, what he happened? hurt his wrist and then mm. uh, rehabbed that for the entire season. And then as soon as he got healthy, the day he got healthy, yeah. uh, got caught up in the COVID protocol. So he just has uh, some bad luck. Romeo does there. Is he also hanging out with Neesmith or Naismith? Where's Where's our boy? Neesmith? Where's our our buddy from Vanderbilt who was shooting 55% from three or whatever. Don't know what happened to him. Okay. So but while the Celtics were in their midst of their losing streak, Neesmith was getting 25 minutes a game. Then he's just been a DNP ever since. He hasn't really shown much ex- other than a lot of effort and de- like uh hustle rebounds. Great chase down block guy. Neesmith, if you need a chase down block, Neesmith's your man, but I don't really don't know what his potential is at this point. I don't know. It was, it was a tough, loss for the Celtics just in terms of you see what the competition is that is in the east and it's like at this point do you if you're Danny Ainge do you like trade a bunch of first round picks or multiple picks for a a, like a win now move when you know that the Brooklyn Nets are like just kind of like hanging out in the east right now and like right how why are you putting all your chips in to try to make a push for uh this season well, I think so. I was trying to think of names who could like the trade exemption, like fit in slot. Like, so they have to have a big salary, but can't be worth, you know, like a guy like Andre Drummond, of course, is someone that could be linked. Shut up. Don't, we don't even talk about Andre Drummond. No, on this why? Why? He's not a good basketball player. <laughs> He's a fine. <laughs> they have three big men. They yeah. need a wing. They don't need a, a just a clog the lane. <laughs> Andre Drummond does, is, oh my God. No. Andre Drummond, Lamarcus Aldridge, who's available. Nope. nope. Old. We don't need old guys or bad guys. Al Horford's been linked to you guys too. Now, Al Horford, that guy has gorgeous eyes and he knows what he's doing and has thrived in the Brad Stevens offense. <laughs> I still don't think he's necessarily the answer. They need a guy on the wing. Like I think uh, Robert Williams is pretty uh, solid player. He's get like getting better. He didn't have as big an impact tonight as he's had uh, in kind of their win streak before. I think that's. Um, just a product of kind of the Nets size and doing a lot of switching. He's not as able to punish them on uh, the lobs. I, Daniel Tice, I thought had a lot of great moments tonight yeah. and was pretty uh, solid. Tice, uh, is, Tice is pretty tough. And I, I was surprised. I've always been a Tristan Thompson guy, um, but Tice was, I feel like who's been a better player for the Celtics this year. You oh, it, absolutely. It's been Daniel Tice. I've been severely disappointed with Tristan Thompson. Uh, I don't know what he really does for the Celtics offensively, he doesn't. He's good offensive rebounder, but uh, he doesn't roll to the rim. He doesn't really pass that well. He gets rebounds and uh, rarely passes the ball back out. I just don't really think he has the is the greatest fit. And I would like he's a guy I would be actually be looking to move in the trade deadline, but just sure. because they need to figure out the kind of where their roster figures out. I think they need more minutes for Robert Williams. Um, so I don't know what the answer is in terms of the trade market right now, or even if it's worth like spending a bunch to go in uh, to get someone. You, you like talk to Harrison Barnes. The thing I like Harrison Barnes is that his contract lines up with Kemba Walker's, and so both of them expire at the same time. And so it's like a solid player who kind of fits in with the the window and gives them like that cap space open up for like I guess the years four and five of the Tatum Brown window we're sure, in right now. Sure, but. I don't know what the answer is. Aaron Gordon? I don't like. Yeah, it. I was about to say, should we power rank the three magic players who could be moved in Aaron Gordon, Fournier, and Vooch? Uh, I mean, Vooch is obviously the best one of them, but again, you talk about the Celtics. What do they need? Um, I mean, I you think take it's Vooch. actually a fourth player is more likely. Ooh. I th- I don't know. Like Danny Ainge was actually on Bo- uh, Boston Sports Radio today saying that they're like more likely to use their trade exception in the offseason just because of salary cap shenanigans that I don't really understand yet, but sure. uh, it's got something to do with the hard cap. So I think they're more likely to make a smaller move. So I think someone like Terrence Ross is a more likely candidate. I think the Celtics fans need to lower their expectations in terms of who they're actually going to get uh, at the trade deadline. Cause like, I think it's going to be a smaller player, maybe someone who, like around that $10 million range who fits it with Tristan Thompson's contract but someone who gives them a little bit more wing depth, a little bit more shooting, and so they don't have to rely on uh, Jeff Teague or Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, and again, it's it's funny. We're like, you know, this is what happens, the difference between a win and loss, because really, you know, the Celtics shot poorly from the free throw line. They shot 64% from the free throw line. 
great defense by the Nets in that situation. Um, and so, and then they lost by, you know, 12 points uh, again in a game that was close all throughout. And it, but it, it does, you know, the way they lost is kind of the tough thing that happens with them, which is just that like eh, things just, it doesn't flow in the way that you would want it to. Um, and, you know, that's why like the Lowry, I don't think Lowry's going to Boston, right? I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but like another real, like strong ball handling guard next to Kemba, I think would be interesting just because you then takes pressure off Kemba and it makes it a little bit easier. But I, I you know, I think I'm holding out hope. It's only been one game since Marcus Smart has returned. He only played 20 <laughs> minutes. I think we got to see uh, what actually like this team looks like. Before it, tonight, the core forward only played 28 minutes together. And so I would like to see, I don't know, two weeks of basketball with just Marcus Smart playing 30 minutes a game to see how that improves things. One, it should like improve just the defense in general. I think he like brings up the defensive intensity and is really kind of the captain of the defense. And then that secondary playmaking um, is just something the team needs. They can't rely on Jason Tatum, who... I had uh, only three assists tonight. Jalen Brown had six assists tonight with four turnovers. They need someone else, you're right, like a ball handler. I think Marcus Smart can serve that role. We just need to see him uh, playing a full game. This isn't going to happen, but honestly, you guys just signed Jamal Crawford. Like, just pick him. Like, because you guys do need something off the bench that just some juice. You need a little juice. Little OJ. Simpson, I don't know if fifty-five-year-old you know? Jamal. I'd rather they sign Isaiah Thomas if we're going with uh, <laughs> washed-up guys from Seattle. But sure, and I, that hurt me to. Just, I apologize wow. right now for saying uh, <laughs> oh, the king of the fourth. Isaiah Thomas is washed There's up. Something in the water, in Boston, that makes you all you people hate Isaiah Thomas. No, we love Isaiah Thomas. Like, I, don't don't put words in my mouth. Smelt you. You just drove the bus over. I mean, you you drove the bus over sacred the sacred sun. Former Sacred Son of Boston. Now you're throwing me off my game. Normally, I have to deal with just the contrarian Jay King, just trying to like act all cool and just be obstinate and difficult. But you, you're Journalist just have this guy. Quiet confidence in the Nets that is oh, really just like just burning throwing inside, me, yeah. and it, it it hurts me, <laughs> and I just don't know how to react, and I'm like uncomfortable <sighs> at this point. And so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is for the Celtics. I'm I'm in the mindset of. Process over results. You got to wait for Marcus Smart to get back. I think it was a <laughs> process over results. Stop oh, that's it. the ultimate. That's the ultimate tiebreaker right there. You gotta. Um, you, I thought they had a decent performance, um, but it's just really tough to win again when Kemba and Jalen go ten for thirty-five. They're just not going to win a game. They for the yeah. fact that they a game was like close for, let's say forty-two minutes with those statistics, and they missed eight free throws and only shot thirty-two percent from three. Shows you that the process was there. They just didn't get the results in the end. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. I want to do this segment with you, and we and I want, I want you to be prepared for it, so you don't have to answer right away unless you really feel it, but bring up the NBA standings right now, okay? the Eastern Conference NBA standings. I want to ask you, who is the matchup in the first round that is the worst for the Celtics? And I'm thinking like 
one through four. I mean, I know the Celtics currently are right now tied for fourth for the four five spot. So let's say it's the Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Heat, or let's say those are could be the four teams that they can be matched up with in the first round. Of those four, who's the best and who is the worst for your Boston Celtics? Because I'm assuming Boston, no matter what, will still be a top five seed. That in my head, I would I would hope so. I hope they can still get that fourth seed um, and would have to at least can avoid the top three uh, in the first round. But who knows what's going to happen? I don't think the the Nets are a good matchup for anyone. I like they've also looked not great against the Sixers this year and don't really have a way of slowing down Joel Embiid. Um, I don't know. I don't have a great answer right now. It the has to be them, well, yeah. You want to stay four or five with the Heat. That's you have to stay yeah, in that I, pocket. Ideally, that's where you want to stay. Um, but I think like they have the best chance of if we're going just on the top three. I would think what it would rather them have play the Sixers. I just think they have playoff uh, success against them in the past, and that really relies on Joel Embiid beating them four games out of seven. And I know Joel Embiid is the MVP of the first half of the year, but we've never seen him be in shape in the playoffs and bring it for an entire series. And so I just have uh, more faith in the Celtics to kind of be able to uh, play against the 76ers than I do. They don't really have an answer for Giannis, and they clearly don't have an answer for Harden, Kyrie, or, I don't know, Kevin Durant, the best scorer in the history of time. Yeah, and, you know, so, like, in this hypothetical Celtics-76ers matchup, that'd be, you know, that'd be, like, round two, right? Because, obviously, we don't believe the Celtics are going to drop to the seventh or eighth seed or whatever. Oh, my God. If the Celtics are in the play-in tournament, I would rather them miss the playoffs <laughs> than be in the, the play-in tournament. That would be horrible. The NBA NIT, it's, I know it's a really bad spot it's, to be in. It's respectful. But I guess, it, like, it's pretty possible because they're only half game up over the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, you just, you just wait. Marcus Smart's going to, uh, yeah, is the key to everything. I know you don't believe in him. You're not a true believer in Marcus Smart. I've been a believer. I, I, I wish that there was something, some scandal that would have got him out of Boston so that he could have ended up in Brooklyn because I've always loved, I loved his game, but also I'm not as wedded to the anger that I hear from Celtics fans about his errant three-point shots, his ill-timed. Oh, no. you gotta I love everything Marcus else about Marcus. Him. You got to let Marcus be Marcus. He can That's do what whatever he wants. You you love him and you trust him. Those are the rules of Celtics fans. But I would say, so if if we get, so here's my thing. I'm excited about the vaccine. I don't know about you. I like vaccines. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I guess our president, President Biden spoke tonight and he said he wants by July 4th, he wants normalcy, right? That's the goal. And he thinks by May, everyone can get the vaccine. I'm just so amped up uh, for NBA playoffs where I think we're going to have people like many people in the building, not like the thousand people that are there now. It's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be a full house, but it could be a half packed house. And if you get, you know, we talk Celtics Sixers, if you get that in the second round and then you get Bucks Nets, how, how great would that, I mean, that would be so thrilling and exciting to have, those teams going against each other with like actual fans in the building. Um, I so, and we're, we are recording by the way, on the anniversary of the NBA shutdown. Look at us. Ooh, right yeah. This time last year, I was on a flight back from Nashville, Tennessee. And I was just scrolling my phone, just seeing all the updates about Rudy Gobert and just not taking Damn. anything seriously. And here we are now. Well, I was, I was recording a podcast with my co-host Brian Egan and one of the sports, one of the sports talk radio guys down here, um, he works for the for WFAN, the big radio station. He's like their only Nets fan, and we were recording with him. And um, the second that it came out that the season was being suspended, I, a dumb, selfish Nets fan, was like, maybe Kevin Durant will come back now this season. You know, I was like, oh, good, let's delay, shut down a month, just a month. Yeah. Give him and some time. KD will come back. And obviously it was longer than a month and KD did not come back. So I was, I was wrong on that count, but Hey, he's playing basketball. Well, kind of right now. For the he might now. be soon. I, I was actually thinking about this earlier. Why are you a Nets fan? Like Nets fans don't really make any sense to me. Like if you grew up in New oh, York, do you want to go through all this right now? Do you have like a quick like like you're just like really like you're from the Meadowlands, New Jersey, and so when the New yeah. Jersey Nets exist like existed, you're like oh, I gotta jump on board now. Like why wouldn't you be a Knicks fan if you grew up liking well, basketball in the New York area? Well, it's, this is a, a weird thing. So 
I am not actually a Nets fan. I just say, I am. What? I grew, I grew up in Maryland, and I'm a Wizards fan. Oh. And what happened was I went to Syracuse University, the finest school for journalism in the country. Oh, you mean and- Northwestern? <laughs> Stop! You need to go to Northwestern. Why would you get in that conversation? I have no dog in this fight. I just what about Missouri, Columbia? uh, No, I've actually uh, been there once. Um, That was a good time. Syracuse? No, no. Oh, I've been there once too. It was less of a good time, but I've been to both (laughs) Missouri and Syracuse. (laughs) So my roommate from college, Brian Egan, again my co-host, huge Nets fan. The first thing I knew about him was that he was a Nets fan. He was he'd be rocking a Kenyon Martin jersey around the dorm. And it was it was literally the Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce trade, and my Brian and I were like, let's start a podcast about the Nets. They're going to be a good team. <laughs> yeah, it's it finally was- coming back to you now. All eight, what is that? Eight years of uh, hard work. Now Dude. finally, just getting. How lucky are you that the Knicks are so incompetent that when so it came time for KD and Kyrie to choose a destination, they went with the Nets instead of the Knicks? It's it's pretty it's pretty fortuitous because uh, this is seems going to also seem silly. Nets fans were like, "Let's just keep D'Angelo Russell. Why do we need Kyrie? I well, mean, we didn't know Kevin Durant was going to be part of it. was so fun and scrappy two years ago. This is the two-year anniversary of the world-famous uh, gif of the <laughs> Nets bench dancing. Like, those were fun teams. I can understand. Those were, those were all fun like, teams. People, like, enjoying those teams. Well, and as a Celtics fan and a Celtics podcaster, you knew what place that your franchise put the Nets in. So, in the moment, having D'Angelo Russell – was like I it was like being in a desert for many many years and then finally getting some aquafina you know just delicious filtered water um and and now we have champagne every night ace of spades uh jay-z's brand of course that's what we drink every night I think that's jay-z's brand um yeah so it so that's why I'm, I'm not you know it's so weird why I do it that's podcast but I've been doing it for eight years eight years I had to talk about Sean Kilpatrick for four years <laughs> you did and i'm Donald sure you got Sloan. pretty good at oh those are some good names these are names i would not be able to remember now before we get to the world famous potable six pack and we end the show so i do want to ask is this like if the nets don't win the championship it's a complete failure this year like you guys automatically have yeah. championship expectations are you as a pseudo nets fan slash wizards fan right yeah is there concerns about this team's – I guess the concern is only going to come on the defensive end. Like what is – obviously they're uh, the favorites to come out of the East at this point. Which team do you not want to see? And like what do you think's going to – like what, what's – if the Nets don't win the championship, what is their downfall? I don't know if there's going to be a downfall yet. But I think if – they don't have this to is in the, the hypothetical cha- where they don't win the championship. I'm right. I'm trying to do a reverse jinx here where it's like they're sure. going to win the championship. There's yes. no way they don't. They have these they three are. great players. And so it's pretty much a formality at this point. But say hypothetically they don't win. Why did that happen? It happened because Anthony Davis's Achilles healed and he just beasted his way through the nets in an unprecedented way. Um, but like, I'm more concerned. This is going to sound so snotty. I'm more concerned about the East than the West right now. I actually think like the, the worst matchup for the Nets is the 76ers Bucks versus Clippers Lakers. I'm yeah. Lakers are great. Clippers fine. I, I'm more concerned about Embiid. I'm more concerned about actually Milwaukee's been playing phenomenal and just like, we just don't care about that anymore. Um, defensively the length that Milwaukee has is going to give the Nets trouble. Drew holiday is going to give one of the two guards on the Nets real trouble. And so I'm more concerned about the East than the West. I'm not, you know, you know, when they get to beat, go match up with the Lakers, it's over. The Nets are going to win sweep four games. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see what you guys do with Joel Embiid because that basically feels like you have to play a lot of Deandre Jordan as much as Claxton with his ridiculous haircut uh, was playing (laughs) decent minutes tonight. I just don't think you can survive 
with that many Claxton minutes. And I don't think, you, like, it's really hard to play DJ. He's just a shell of informal self. Like, I don't know how you yeah. guys slow down and beat, but I do think you guys can just, like, it may not matter because you can just keep outscoring. Like, if Embiid's going to post up and be in the paint, you just exchange threes. Like, the math works in your favor. You just make threes and he makes twos and you, uh, like, win the game that game. Like, I don't know. I think that's probably the worst matchup. Like, I don't – the thing about Joel Embiid is – and if he's ever plays well, like, he should dominate. Like, I don't understand how they haven't won a title yet. He's that yeah. good. Like, no one can really stop him other than his own conditioning. And so – I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens, but uh, who knows? Who knows, Mike Smeltz? Well, well my, yeah, I'll, do, I'll give my quick Embiid take, which is basically this, is that the he could score 40 a night, and the rest of the Sixers would still have to score 85. And when you just look at it, like he, like if he scores 40, they all still have to score 85. That is not easy for the rest of that Sixers roster to do. Are you saying Ben, ben Simmons 18, 12, and 12 won't help in that situation? No, I don't think he's going to get 18. What about, to- what about Tobias Harris? Tobias. Four points. Steph not Curry? to slander Toby, who I love. I love his. Per- I love him and uh, Bobby. Uh, but Tobias Harris is the classic guy who in the regular season puts up whatever he puts up, great numbers. And then the playoffs, it's like one game's good, one game's bad. And you can't do that in the playoffs. You have to be consistent. You have to provide your team the consistency. And he isn't that. So, like, Embiid could score 40 a night. I still think the rest of the Sixers aren't going to put up enough points to match that. Embiid's still not a good enough passer. He's a good passer, not a good enough passer to really affect beyond his own dominance. And um, you talk about DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, DeAndre is what it is. Getting Blake Griffin is some small ball five minutes that that and Blake Griffin will just tell some really funny jokes to him. That's what I'm excited for. Blake Griffin being on the New York stand-up scene. I'm expecting to see him at the comedy cellar as soon as people get the vaccine. So fantastic. I mean, you know, it's a great comedy's coming back in New York. It's happening now. You know, again, vaccines, getting the vaccines. People are going to be in there and Blake is there at a perfect time. I'm happy for him. Like more, more than almost any player in the NBA he is so tied to need, needing to be in either New York or LA for what he wants to do in his life. And I don't want to slander the Detroit improv scene, but um, uh, probably, go ahead not and slander as, it. <laughs> probably not as ripe as uh, the New York city improv scene. So I'm happy. I'm happy for Blake. I'm happy for Blake too. This is a good transition to the world famous potable six pack. Before we dive in, we have to talk to the, f- the wonderful people out there uh, about our great sponsor sponsor for the Potable Six Pack. That is Night Shift Beer. I don't know if you've had Night Shift Beer where oh. in your part. You of, guys have uh, your own sponsor for a segment? Oh, yeah. That's uh, me hustling Jeez. just because I love Night Shift Beer. It's a local brewery. Uh, they have the Santilli IPA, which is uh, just a great IPA. I was actually at the Night Shift Brewery earlier tonight. Uh just enjoying it was like the first nice uh day out here in new england enjoying some nice beers outside and so i've definitely had night shift i've had this ipa for sure it is delicious you'll know that it's delicious and if you listeners out there want to know where they can pick up some night shift if you go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder you put in your zip code and you figure out uh, where you can get Santilli and where you can get the rest of the delicious Night Shift offerings. If you're in the Boston area, you can also get some delivery from Night Shift. Wow. And so enjoy some Night Shift. It's the official beer of Anything is Potable. Uh, and this, or Santilli's the official beer. Night Shift is the official brewer. And yeah, go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder. Put in your zip code and enjoy some Santilli. Now, it is time for the world-famous potable six pack it is a snake draft where you and i pick the six most important most notable just most things <laughs> that happened in tonight's game you are the guest on the show you will have the very first pick yes okay uh blake griffin sweater blake griffin sweaters number one. Oh my in- that was a statement if you didn't watch the game and you didn't get to see blake griffin sweater one it was clippers colors which i thought was a nice ode to, oh, and also Detroit Pistons colors. Again, another ode to one of his former teams. It was the fuzziest of fuzzy sweaters. 
uh, and Blake looked hilarious because Blake Griffin's wearing he's wearing this black mask in this big red, white, and blue fuzzy sweater. I compared it to a sweater my bubby would wear coming over for Passover Seder. Um, it was an achievement. You know, you got to think about this for a second. Is that this is his first game as a Brooklyn Net? This is a statement piece. He's coming. It's like you know when you go to the first day of school. What are you going to wear? You're going to wear that Michael Vick Atlanta Falcons jersey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this was his statement, and I'm proud of him. I love what he did with that moment. Uh, he really showed up and looked goofy and hilarious, and I just so appreciated it. So that is my number one pick in the uh, the six pack. I'm looking at it right now. You you sent me a picture earlier. It's it's just fantastic. You can see the like the individual fuzz coming off <laughs> just everywhere. It looks like he's like stuck his hand in an electrical outlet and it's just like static shock. It's a statement piece from Blake Griffin, and you have to respect it. And it's a great first pick for the potable six pack. Thank you. Now, for my I get two picks in a row, because that's how the snake draft works. Um, I like the moment of instant karma. It was late in the game. Mm-hmm. James Harden elbowed Daniel Tice directly in the penis. Uh, Nothing happened because Daniel Tice gets the worst whistle in the league. I don't know if you're aware of the war on Tice, but it's the the war of referees. I I do know, yeah. Okay, so of course that happens. And then the next play down, Marcus Smart uh, is able to draw a ridiculous three, uh, three point foul on James Harden, where it looked like James Harden barely, I think he touched him before he went up for the shot, but it was a classic swipe through. I just like the instant karma of uh, elbowing my man Daniel Tyson the penis and then getting some comeuppance for the basically the the foul call that he is famous for being able to draw getting called on James Harden. It's impressive. Harden's obviously the best uh, drawer of fouls in the NBA. He also does these like I'm not saying it was intentional. I don't know. Maybe it was. He does these things sometimes where when he drives to the basket, he does hurt people. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, like there's moments where like he kind of like maybe kind of elbows someone like there's little things that Harden does. Does he get called for it? Because no, I feel like Jason Tatum not. gets is bad at it because he gets it's just like very blatant and gets called for pushing off with yes. the opposite arm all the time. But Harden seems to just get away with it. And that was like just felt pretty blatant. And it felt like this is going to be my second pick Two sure. two refs. We just we don't have a backup ref who can come <laughs> in and just be the third ref. It's just like. That it feels like the NBA should have some sort of system in place for not having a like their third ref. What kind of shenanigans league is this? It it, it, sh- it should have been Blake Griffin in his sweater running around. <laughs> it would have looked game. good. Why I don't not? think it had a huge impact on the game. There were some calls that were like kind of like this is weird, but um, actually I don't want to have that be my uh, second pick. And since no, I make the rules, for- the rules. I have the rules right in front of me. That's the rule. I make up the rules every time. All right, you can go on, and I'll, I'll do some honorable mentions if I uh, want to. You have two picks, your final two picks in the potable six-pack. Well, these aren't as exciting, This, 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 the first one, but Landry Shamit, I feel, you know oh you God. touched on him. Um, he's been he's on so the enemy's better. list now. He's on the he, enemy's list. Yeah, he, he. if you haven't tracked the Landry Shamit moment this year, he was horrible early on. It looked like he was going to be heading for DNPs, and then he started shooting better. And this was another really good game from Landry Shamit. And if you don't remember, Landry Shamit was part of this weird three-way trade where the Clippers got Luke Kennard, Landry Shamit came to the Nets, and the Nets' first-round pick went to Detroit, which became Sadiq Bey, who is playing fantastic. Another guy who's knocked down eight threes against the Celtics, yeah. Yeah, it could have been a Celtic, right? Yeah, they with, could have drafted uh, Sadiq Bey instead of Aaron Smith. Yes, correct. Okay. So it's, it's a very weird trade. It's all like, which player do you like? Which player do you trust? Blah, blah, blah. Landry Shaman is playing a lot really great for the Nets. Uh, he deserves kudos. And, I mean, if this if I'm Nets podcaster guy, my last pick, Kyrie Irving getting revenge with against the Celtics. You know, the, they treated him so poorly. How they trashed, treat him poorly? He trashed his name as he head out of town. They were whispering to Jackie McMullen and all those Boston-based reporters about Kyrie is you, you can't trust him. He's he does a weird thing in an elevator. What was the elevator story? Oh, he got the on the elevator with Mike Gorman and didn't say hi to him for like ten floors. It's just kind of yeah. weird. Mike Gorman's a very nice man. It's uh, something that I would have done. 
I think actually that's you how I said hi to him or, or you've been, you been in silent treatment, just silent. It's, it's awkward. I don't want to, you know, sometimes you don't want to have a conversation with people. That's all, you know, Kyrie's mistreated by Boston. And that's why I think went. Kyrie put, brought a lot of that on himself when he promised that he was coming <laughs> back and then made a Nike commercial about hanging his uh, thing in the rafters and then uh, completely gave up on uh, the team. Uh, and that was a bad moment. I think you guys yeah. are very lucky as the Nets, where it's like, it's not all on Kyrie. And like, there's other guys who are better than him to hold him accountable. And so even if he does give up in a, say a playoff series against the Milwaukee Bucks and like tries to switch himself onto Giannis uh, for multiple possessions in a row, which might've happened uh, in the past, there's other guys there who can kind of uh, step up and, you know, you don't have to rely on Kyrie Irving to, to score all your offense. And so that is that is, I guess that's a fair pick. It pains me. Your two picks pain me because now I hate Landry Shamit and I don't like this revenge talk. But you know what? It it's both sides. You gotta give the Nets perspective uh here on the potable six pack. Yes. Um just quickly, um, how many so then I've had three, so this you've, you've done. So you can have some honorable mentions uh because I have one more pick, but there's there's sometimes we can't get to everything. So if you have one, serve it up. I'm trying to think about what's a good honorable mention. I mean, there, there were, it was enjoyable. I'll do a little thing. I mean, we haven't seen that many fans in the stands, uh, at least from Brooklyn. I we haven't seen that many, and there were more fans in the stands. Um, I kind of like the sparseness of, uh, like the courtside seats now are like 20 feet back, and there's just like two seats. It's like the, it's like when you go to a movie theater and they have, you know, like the the seats where you could have a wheelchair next to it. It's like the very like select group of people. I actually like that. I want more isolation in a basketball. Arena. <laughs> I want like more well, bubbles. Well, well, less I just fans. want like weird random people sitting all over the place. So that's my honorable mention. Do they still have, uh, even when they have like what, 2000 people in the building, the weird, like Brooklyn cheer squad that, yeah. uh, that is yeah. like a staple at Nets games where it's just like in a section and they try to create their own chance. Is that still happening with 2,000 people? Oh, the Brooklyn Brigade. I don't think yeah. so. I don't think well, the Brigade I think they need their, they think they need their, the Brooklyn Brigade needs uh, their own section. Um, that's a good honorable mention. That's fair. I like uh, any sort of nonsense observations like that to come with the game. I, for my honorable mention, before I get to my final pick, Kenny the Jet Smith rocking some fashionable capris during halftime i don't know if everyone caught that but showing a lot of ankle it's summer he's feeling himself feeling a little bit sexy i like the capris everyone liked the capris i'm talking about the capris you're talking about the capris it was a nice look but for my final pick has got to be rob williams Mm. blocking three-point shots He's the only guy I've seen do that consistently ever. I think he did it twice tonight. He had six blocks tonight, but he did it once against, I think, Shamit. Maybe he get, no, it was against Kyrie, but the coolest one was against the James Harden step back. I've never seen James Harden not be able to step back and get his shot off. And just being able to watch the Time Lord and his love of jumping uh, block three-point shots, it's just not something that normally happens in the game, but it happens with Robert Williams consistently, and that's just cool to me. Yeah, to me, it's almost a more exciting play than blocking a dunk. Because, like, you know, you see dunks blocked or layups, whatever, blocked. Like a three-pointer, you're like, what just happened? You're not you're not used to it. You're, like, shocked that you see a, three, a hardened three-pointer at that. You just don't see it happen. Um, how, how invested should I be in Time Lord's career? Like, if a top shot of Time Lord of that play came out, should I be throwing down some, some dollar bills? I think he's going to be pretty... Solid. I think he is probably the highest ceiling center the Celtics have. He really didn't show it tonight on offense, but he does have some offensive potential. If he can figure out like where to be defensively, he just has like the crazy athletic. And uh, I think he's going to be a solid player. I don't know if he's ever going to be. Uh, he's in that, I don't think he's going to be an all-star ever, but I think he could be a solid starter in the NBA for uh, five to 10 years. I just think as long as he has this kind of athleticism and this bit like lob ability, I know it goes quickly. See DeAndre Jordan, but as long as he is this yeah. bouncy, I think he has the, he's going to stay in the league and he's going to continue blocking three-point shots. The thing about that is like when you go up for a dunk, you expect someone to contest it. The thing about blocking a three-point shot is the, the person shooting the basketball never expects that their shot is going to get blocked. And then Time Lord explodes out of nowhere. And so it's just all in all, it's a good time. I mean, I've perfected when I play 
pick up basketball, which I haven't played in a year because of COVID. But when I did, I was the guy who was in the paint and the three point shot would be going up. I'm jumping, trying to block that shot from the paint. Like I'm jumping out. You got to get in their vision. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, an NBA jam when you like can, you can actually block that shot. I think I can do that. I think I can jump 80 inches into the air and swat the ball. Never do. But yeah, it's about getting people's vision. You want to shake them off balance. Strategery. I like that. Yeah. See, it's that kind of outside of the box, uh, Mike Smeltz. That's why we brought you on the podcast. Appreciate here. That's it. That's why we yeah. uh, we had you join. Even despite you, you you crapped all over my Celtics positivity and my process yeah. over results, but that's it's okay. Outsiders don't normally get what's going on uh, here in this operation, but I appreciate you joining <laughs> us. Uh, tell the folks out there where they can hear you on a regular if they want to hear more uh, glowing Nets talk. Um, you could find BK. The the well, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, the Glue Guys. That's the best Nets podcast in the history of the world. That's that's where we're at. Um, one quick shout out. I have a lot of friends who live in Boston. My one friend Brendan, who told me I was I was near the Cape. We were we were near a Cape Town. God, it would have been Kyrie would have been on the Celtics. He said he had he had a dream that Kyrie was going to be on the Brooklyn Nets. He had it. This is while Kyrie was on the Celtics. He had this dream and it came true. And every Boston person I, I say, you should go to him and get advice. I don't have his address, but I'll send it out to everyone. I'll send his address and his, his phone <laughs> we'll number to everyone. For the podcast. Yeah. Cause he's clairvoyant. It's amazing. He dreamt that Kyrie Irving would be a Brooklyn net and look where we're at. Uh, oh, Kyrie scored 40 tonight against the Celtics. So it's a good, that, that it's he a good did. night. He made it look easy. If we're also doing shout outs, I want to shout out, the guy at the Korean restaurant I sure. picked up food from who recognized me by name and said he was a big listener. What? So if you work at Coreanos uh, in Alston, uh, thank you for the delicious fried chicken wings and fried rice. Uh, it was amazing. Always getting nice uh, to be noticed in public. You know, I felt like a celebrity. Does Do, do you go by Jam Packard when you order food or is it? I don't. They just noticed the Sam Packard name. But I have been on the train once and someone's like, Jam? And it was uh, probably the best moment of my life. That's amazing. That's all. That's the reason why we all do this. This is why moment. we put in the hard work is to get recognized by our pseudonyms. Yeah. Uh, all right. For the people who have been out there on the Periscope, we uh, thank you for watching us. For the people listening at home, thank you for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe. Do all those things that podcast hosts tell you to do, but mm. do it for us uh, at Anything is Potable. Do it for the Glue Guys as well and support the Athletic Podcast Network. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable! Oh, sheesh.